be seated. Now we come to the sermon of today, which is a continuation in the book of Acts. We are going to read first from Acts 1, 15 through 26. So turn there first, please. Acts 1, 15 through 26. God's word. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased the field with the reward of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch that as that field is called in their proper tongue, Aseldama, that is to say, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. Wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out amongst, among us, beginning with the baptism of John, beginning from the baptism of John, unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. And he prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whither of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Shall we pray? Father, we pray for understanding, to be able to understand your holy word, even as you gave understanding to your disciples when you were on this earth. So continue by your Holy Spirit to enlighten us to your word. And then, O oh Lord, with the same Holy Spirit, empower us to obey the same. In Jesus' name, amen. There were 12 apostles. In the formal meeting of the church leadership that is before us, I, I saw a pattern that has been since imitated by our classes in synod. And so I'm following that outline of how we <coughs> conduct our meetings. First, there's a quorum. Quorum is where they take the role and they find out if there are enough delegates who are the voting members of the leaders of the churches represented in that meeting, and then on that basis proceed to conduct the meeting. And so it says in verse 15 that in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, 
The number of names together were about 120. And those included also the women disciples, although the voting membership were the men. Second, the reading of the scriptures. Verse 16. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. What scripture? Well, let's look them up. Psalm 69.25 is the first one. Psalm 69.25. You want to make sure that Peter's giving us the right scriptures, right? And he's giving us the word of God. So in Psalm 69.25, we read, Let their habitation be desolate, and let none dwell in their tents. Another one, Psalm 109, verse 8. The other one. Psalm 109, verse 8. Let his days be few, and let another take his office. Or bishopric, which is another way of saying charge or office. There are two apostles named Judas, by the way. Judas of James, who is also known as Thaddeus. But then there's also Judas Iscariot, who guided the captors to Christ, as is noted in our passage. Verse 17, for he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. He was an apostle. And also he had the task of carrying the bag, which was that he was the treasurer as well. Judas Iscariot was one of the original 12 apostles, but apparently was never truly saved. Is it possible that there are those in the ministry in some capacity or another, in some office or another, that are not saved? Oh yes, it happens all the time, or in every generation. And they are ultimately those that are called false brethren or false ministers or false apostles, as in this case. Christ referred to him as the son of perdition in his high priestly prayer when he prayed in John 17, 12. While I was with them in the world, meaning with his people, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. This is a tough one, I know. It's a very tough one, and it's not easy to theologically maneuver through this, but we must not throw the truth out by denying the sovereignty of God in election. That's all I'll say now because I'll speak to this again shortly. And in verse 18, now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. That's the wage that he got, the payment that he got, the unjust payment, as it were, uh, from the priests. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. 
Now, actually, Judas didn't purchase this field himself. You can read it for yourself in Matthew 27, uh, 3 through 10, where it speaks about how he had cast down the silver in the temple, right? When he realized that he had uh, done, he had betrayed innocent blood, as he called the blood of Christ. Innocent blood. And then the chief priest took the silver and, and then they thought about it and talked amongst themselves and, 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 and said, it's not right, it's not lawful, lawful is the word, that we put this back in the treasury, which is where it came from. Used for a different purpose than what it was designed to be used for. That is the service of God. And so what did they do instead? They bought the, this potter's field, as it's called, to bury strangers in, to bury the Gentiles in that are not uh, the God-fears that uh, have been incorporated into the covenant nation of Israel. And they call that field the field of blood unto this day. And Jeremiah speaks about it and how uh, they had taken these 30 pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they, the children of Israel, did value, and then they gave them for the potter's field. As the Lord appointed me. It was blood money. You've heard of that before, blood money? That's always being exchanged big time, now more than ever, especially in the kind of trafficking that's going on worldwide, and especially in this country of ours. The field was for the burial of those who were strangers to the grace of God. How ironic Judas ended up with unbelievers when he was amongst the saints, when he was amongst the very leadership of Christ, hand-picked apostles, sent out ones. The tree on which Judas chose to hang himself overlooked the cliff, it is believed. The tree broke, or the knot and the rope came loose, slipped, and his body had, that had been probably hanged there for some time, maybe for days, bloated with gas, fell down upon the rocks and burst open. What a horrible ending. Sounds like another horrible ending of, of another unbeliever, King Herod, of whom it is said, and you can look this up later in Acts 12, how uh, the, the angel of the Lord, when he was boastful, when he was boastful and was receiving uh, uh, accolades uh, from, from the people, that he was God and not a man, Beware, beware when your leaders boast of being such, of being God Almighty, or, or of being Christ. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, killed him right on the spot. And then, and that because he did not give God the glory. And then it says he was eaten of worms. And then he gave up the ghost. So the process of deterioration, decomposition, the, uh, the worms that go in and out, you know, like that song of the worms go in, the worms go out. I don't want to sound facetious, but you know, it's, it's, really, it's really true. Happened when he was still alive. Verse 19, And it was known unto all the dwellers of Jerusalem, insomuch as that field is called in their proper tongue, a seldoma, that is to say, the field of blood. 30 pieces of silver, is that all the blood of the Son of God is worth? The chief priest deemed it unfit to return to the temple. What hypocrisy. 
so they laundered the money. You know what launder means, you wash it, right? You try to wash the money so it, it's no longer filthy lucre. <laughs> it's still filthy lucre. It's even filthier lucre when it's laundered. And by acting as Judas executors of his will, they purchased this field for him, where it turned out he would be buried. Third, an overture. An overture is a proposition or a recommendation that is put forth by a member of the classes or the synod for consideration uh, in the meeting. And so in verse 20, it reads, For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. So this is what is set before the body for consideration. Judas Iscariot had the ministry of apostleship of the church, such a vital role as the bishop and overseer of the church. And he blew it big time. The Bible teaches how God gives some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some teachers, pastors and teachers, to the perfecting of the saints to do the work of the ministry and to build up or edify the body of Christ. Jesus Iscariot was ordained to this responsibility and did not carry this out. And the long and the short of it is that he forfeited his place and left it for another place. And left it for another as well. Verse 25, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas, by transgression, fell, that he might go to his own place. And this is not only, as I've already pointed out, leaving the apostleship, but by his transgression of the very Son of God, by his betrayal of Jesus Christ, our Lord, he died and entered eternal hell. We are led to believe. And there would be another, according to scripture, who would replace him. Now the qualifications, which is the next point, are very important. It says in 21 and 22, Wherefore of these men which have companied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John, until the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. So the Lord handpicked the twelve, did he not? And they were from those who were with them from the get-go of his baptism at the, at the River Jordan. Up to including the ascension, we speak about the resurrection. We kind of stop there when we speak about how they are eyewitnesses of 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 the resurrection, of the resurrection of Christ, that is. Notice all the time signifies that these candidates for apostleship must not have been quitters along the way because there was a time when it says that many of his disciples walked no more with him. And then he turned to the twelve and says, said, will you also go away? So there's the possibility that they were quitters or deserters even temporarily, let's say. They, they can't be amongst those. And then he must be an eyewitness of the risen 
Savior. In 2 Peter 1.16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Next, we come to what's called the nomination. Um, the nomination for office, that is. In 23, and the appointed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. Surprisingly, among the hundred or so men, there were only two who fulfilled this requirement, or at least two who were being offered up or nominated for this office. Now, Bersabbas means son of the Sabbath. Very noble name, wouldn't you say? And its Latin derivative or Latin uh, name, comparable name, is justice which means righteous. And in the Roman Empire, many Jews would have this equivalent Gentile name, such as Persabbas being also called or nicknamed Justice. And then there was Matthias, which means gift of God. The ancient historian Eusebius claimed that Matthias was amongst the 70 that Christ had earlier called to his service. Now the next step, can we say this is the climax of this process, is the election. How would we have chosen which of those two would be Judas's replacement? Well, the way we do it, I can tell you very, very briefly. We would ask the candidates to give a speech, and then we would vote on the matter as to which one would be Elected. Now, there's actually more to it than that. These, these men have, have to be prepped even to reach this point of where they then preach a sermon, as it were, and then on the basis of everything that went before, including and in, 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 in culminating with the sermon, uh, be made an apostle. And it's possible that you could have two apostles or two uh, officers uh, and not just one, two elders, or in the case of uh, classes, uh, two ministers that have been brought forward that pass the exams. There are exams involved, and there's also a, a testifying of their Christian life and their walk with the Lord and how they are uh, in terms of their relationship with their families, if they are fulfilling the criteria, the qualifications for a teaching elder, which is found in First Timothy 3. So there are those things that... Uh, that are part of the assessment process. But nevertheless, we believe that uh, all this is important. And, uh, and yet, what do we see in front of us here in this first classes, if you will? Verse 24. And they prayed and said, Thou Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whither of these two thou hast chosen. While Joseph and Matthias were nominated by men, yet the election of Matthias was left by them to God. Not to themselves, not to the congregation, not to the classes, not to the synod to decide, such as in our annual congregational meeting or in the, amongst the delegates of 
the annual classes meeting in March and synod meeting in May. 26, and they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Now this sounds like they're voting, doesn't it? But let's understand what this is. This is not tabulating votes, by the way, like what we do at classes, like what we did at the last classes, for example, in the election of, uh, of uh, officers. Uh, this first classes meeting depended, it was depending upon the Lord to elect the one who would be his 12th apostle. It's no different than when Christ himself was on this earth and handpicked his 12. What? Lots? What's that? For us, lots would be like, well, like uh, drawing names out of a hat, for example. Uh, casting lots would seemingly be like a form of gambling. It would be leaving the decision, as it were, to chance. It would be like leaving this decision to fate. Is that how we operate? By luck? Oh no. So what exactly is this? Well, apparently, for these ancient brothers, it was the way to ensure that God would still be the one to choose the 12th apostle. Mm -hmm. It's beyond human control. It involves, uh, and I can't explain it very well. I, I, I have an idea seeing it, but it's one in which it's like, almost like the roll of a dice, okay, roll of dice. But it's beyond human control. The lot is left completely to God. And you know what? The New Testament doesn't condemn it, but it has allowed it, has it not? Look at Proverbs 16.33. The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. See that? And this is true if, if you have honest gambling, if we can call it that, and it's not rigged. The whole disposing is still of the Lord, isn't it? Those dice are not rigged so that they roll, uh, you know, your dice roll uh, the winning numbers. His brethren believe that the Bible teaches God's sovereignty and human responsibility both. Notice another scripture, Proverbs 69. Proverbs 69. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. So you can plan, and it's wise to plan, but don't rely 100% on your plans. Always say what? According to James, if the Lord will, we shall go into the city and buy and sell and get gain and live and move and have our being. While man proposes, it is God who finally disposes. And that is true of everything. That is true of every aspect of your life and mine on the face of this earth and of every human being that is on planet Earth. 
The election of Matthias turned out to be God's answer to prayer. Yes, prayer is important. Don't underestimate prayer. Christ put a high premium on prayer. He says, pray believing, and if you pray believing, you will have those things for which you ask. Why would he say that? Was he lying? Of course he wasn't. He was telling the truth. So man is responsible. We are responsible to pray. We are responsible to, to seek God's face. We are responsible to pray to God who gives all things richly for us to enjoy. And with the 12 apostles now complete, they are ready to receive the gift that God is about to bestow upon them of the Holy Spirit. But then let me throw something in. I don't mean to make life difficult and keep the sermon short, okay? And this will prolong it a bit. But what about Paul? We know he was an apostle. So doesn't that throw the numbers off? Doesn't that make it 13 instead of 12? What about that? There are those who argue that Paul should have been the 12th apostle, not Matthias. Yes. And in terms of service, you would think a far better choice, Paul, right? With all that he has done, how he has prominently used in the kingdom more than any other except for maybe John and, and, and Peter. But the fact remains, according to our uh, passage, according to verses 21 and 22, Paul would not have qualified as an apostle if that was the criteria that he was held up to, would he? He wasn't around at the baptism of Jesus. He wasn't with Jesus as he went in and out amongst the disciples. He wasn't there at the resurrection. He wasn't there at the ascension. In fact, Paul said of himself in 1 Corinthians 15, 8, this. 1 Corinthians 15, 8. Last of all, he, that is Jesus, was seen of me, meaning by me, also as of one born out of due time. And the idea here is like abortive, as if he was an aborted fetus. <clears throat> Don't get too, make it too complicated, but that's, that's the Greek behind that, okay? Uh, but what I believe he is saying is that I was made an apostle after the fact. God had a special dispensation for me in giving me the office of the apostleship of Christ Church. Now, nothing was ever heard of Matthias again, nor of some of the other apostles. Can the same be said of most of the apostles that uh, 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 they, they, weren't, they weren't used either, at least in the same way that uh, Paul was and, and, and James and John or uh, Peter and John. The church uh, has recorded in its history that uh, Matthias was martyred for the faith like the rest of them, <coughs> bar John. And therefore a biblical case cannot be made for the choice of Matthias being invalid. They can't in invalidate it, in other words. 
And so in conclusion, whose name will be on the 12th foundation in the heavenly Jerusalem? Look at Revelation 21, 14 to know what I'm talking about. Revelation 21, 14. Which reads, and had a great, and had a wall great and high, and had 12 gates, and at the gates 12 angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Wrong scripture, next one, uh, 14. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So, I will argue that Matthias is that 12th foundation. And as far as the office of apostle goes, there could be more than 12. Paul, as I said, was one who, to whom the Lord appeared and called in a very special way. So that he would say, for example, in 1 Corinthians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. End of discussion. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. But let me present to you one more apostle. Yet one more. Hebrews 3, 1 and 2. Hebrews 3, 1 and 2. Lest you think that only 12 could be it, as some of the cults would teach. Wherefore, holy brethren, that's us, partaker of the heavenly calling, that's us, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. He is the apostle of God the Father. He is the apostolon, the special ambassador from heaven, who said, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Of whom is said, and this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. And in turn, Christ sent the twelve. And his parting words to the twelve was, as the Father sent me, so send I you. And also in Mark, go ye therefore in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, which includes Matthias, which includes Paul. Take note. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this event. Although seemingly long and tedious as our classes meetings will get and synod meetings become, I'm sure that this was similarly long and tedious. And Lord, even to try to explain this and what went on, even with just one overture, never mind all the other overtures probably that they needed to speak to in that meeting. Yet, Lord, we are thankful that we took this time out to understand what is going on and how important this is to the order of 
your church. As you said, Lord, through your servant Paul elsewhere, that God is the God of order, that all things be done decently in order, and we are thankful for that. And we thank you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.